Welcome to PT Shop Talk, where a couple of folks talk about therapy, family, movies, music, sports, and everything in between. Remember that this podcast represents the opinions of the hosts and guests and should not be taken as medical advice. The content is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Everyone is a unique and special snowflake, so please consult your healthcare professionals for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. We take every effort to ensure that the information presented is accurate, and we welcome any comments, suggestions, and corrections of error. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including, but not limited to, establishing standard of care in a legal sense, or as a basis of expert witness testimony. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome, everybody, to episode 45 of PT Shop Talk. On today's episode, we revisit running as we did not talk about it last time, and we finish up with our top five holiday treats slash drinks slash food. With me, as always, is Nick Eggnog Doling and Jeremy Gingerbread Van Klompenberg. Uh, if you're following on YouTube, you'll see Nick is practicing being as still as possible and it's working <laughs> almost invisible. Uh, Nick's having a little technical difficulty, so you have to give him a little bit of grace. Uh, as a Don used to always tell us when we were in assisted living. Uh, so in and out, but Jeremy, you and I will take the show. How's it going, bud? Good, man. How are you? Yeah, uh, good, good. We got uh, probably the first real blizzard of the season, so that's always fun. You know how that Exciting. goes as a clinic owner. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. Everyone thinks it's uh everyone thinks it's Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've never seen snow before. <laughs> yeah, and it, uh, it's always I, I think the managing part of that is hard because you get you know, I rarely I think I've closed the clinic once in three years due to weather. Um yep. and that was literally because I could nobody could physically get to the clinic. It was so bad. Um, yeah. So usually you just say, hey, if you can make it in, you make it in. Uh, I'll manage the phones. Uh, we'll get people canceled if we need to. But uh, typically all my staff always makes it in. But then you have your patients cancel. So it's like, hmm. Uh, but you so, guys you guys don't have many people who commute, though, do you? Um, You know, we actually do have quite a bit because we get those post-surgicals um, that might come from an hour out. Our, our pain well, patients might come from a couple hours away. So, well, uh, so what about those, staff? Yeah. Well, oh, staff wise, um, longest commute is probably forty minutes. Yeah, Nick can attest area. to uh, when. Uh, yeah, I don't think there was ever a snow day that we missed because it, it, Nick was always going to be there as an owner, and then mm. I lived four blocks from the clinic. So, uh, <laughs> but then Those we had a fair days. amount. Of, we had a fair amount of people who did commute, and uh, so yeah, I mean, they were still. I mean for as big of headaches as they could be, like they always stick out as they were pretty fun days. Yeah. You know, the people, the people that bundled up and came out are usually pretty serious about getting better. So you, uh, you usually have a pretty decent day as far as treatment wise, just because those people obviously want to be there if they're coming out through a blizzard. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's just the managing of staff and because yep. some, sometimes you want to be like, well, I assume these eight people aren't going to show up. Like, we probably don't need three staff here. 
<laughs> who wants to stay home and will just condense. But then you show up and all of a sudden all the patients, like we had a day that was absolutely miserable and like every patient showed up, which was great. But you're like, man, I mean, I'm glad we had staff for it, you know? Yeah, so, for sure. That weird, like balancing act. I mean, our front desk people did a good job a day of like condensing people in and filling up space with cancels and stuff, but yeah, we're we're even with the cancel list able to get people on the cancel list in today. It's like, hey, I know the weather's not good, but we do have an opening. <laughs> <laughs> Come yeah. on down. Yeah. That was good. Got my ethics done today, so I'm ethical again. So that was nice. Yeah. It's good for you. Yeah, according to them, uh, based on their quizzes, I'm about 55% ethical. <laughs> A little on the positive side. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? Well, you're on the right patients. side of it. Yeah, right. I felt good about that. Yeah. Mm, so I didn't miss anything else? Sorry. What was my, <laughs> what was my nickname when we started out? Uh, I went with Eggnog Doling. Eggnog. Mm. Well, I thought like Nick... Nog doling sounded cool. Nog. Yeah. Like that was just like a like a meathead nickname you would have had. A Nick Nog. (laughs) Nog. That's a that is a great great nickname. Yeah, like (laughs) somebody's gotta have it. If you would have been the bad guy in Revenge of the Nerds, I feel like that's what they would have called you. Ogre. It's close to ogre. Yeah. Ogre and Nog. Think of the 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 punch you guys could have been drinking straight from the bowl. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. That's perfect. Good times. Alpha beta. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be somewhere, I'd be one of those other like nondescript uh, rat guys though. I wasn't like a full alpha beta, wasn't a full like tri lamb. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I have to go rewatch that and see which which crew I'd land on. It would have been like the Ravenclaw of Revenge of the Nerd Frats. Yeah, basically, yeah. And they go through those. Nobody I mean, cares. you're right. I, I hey, how oh, how can nobody's called them out, have called out Rowling for a little copyright infringement on the nerds? Because, like, when they played their games at the end, they kept a very similar, you know, idea. Hmm. Yeah. The good guys won. She stole everything. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how Avatar was, like, a ripoff of Dance of the Wolves. She did the same thing with Revenge of the Nerds. With <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're on to something. Maybe we should hashtag that. John Goodman was Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you think about it, I mean, Harry Potter has a lot of the, like, uh, shape-changing uh, Darth mm-hmm. Vader rapish type scenes, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then, is it Richard Carradine would be Harry, probably. <laughs> and then, like um, yeah. Uh, God, why can't I think of the other guy? Now, I, I keep wanting to say Matthew Modine, but the same no, vision. No, no. Uh, oh, well, you want to do ER? And it always comes Goose, back to Vision Goose Quest. and Top Gun. Come on, Anthony Edwards. Yeah, Anthony Edwards. Sir. I, I kept yeah, wanting that, to say Anthony Michael Hall, and I was like, "That's not right." Yeah, Anthony Edwards. He he beat Ron Weasley. I mean, we're we're going some. There's no Hermione necessarily. No, missing that. I mean, Lamar was that his name? Lamar Latrell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna say that. I don't know. Yeah. I'm gonna no, I think there had to have been a Lamar Latrell in Harry Potter world. If there wasn't, then. If it was being made now, there'd be like five Lamar Latrells in there. Not maybe dating the, each other. <laughs> not if J.K. Rowling had anything to do with it. Because it's, it's for modern audiences. <laughs> doesn't seem to be her point of view. Uh, oh, she's gotten herself no, in true. some hot water she did, over that stuff. She did yeah. get in some hot water. 
Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah, there's only room for two genders in the wizard world. So. Yeah. <laughs> but but famously though, I mean, uh, Dumbledore was gay though, right? So I mean, like she had some. Yeah, she did. I mean, that was in the books, right? Or was that liberties taken with the new movies? Um, that I was think... Fantastic Beasts, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah the prequels. But... So. I think she even said there was some undertones, um, and she came out and said, she even said though I don't explicitly say it in the books, it was implied. So it's just kind true. of a cop out later to say that, like, oh yeah, we had like eight gay characters. I mean, we didn't say it, but you guys know. It's you just to try to it's just trying to well, fit in now and not get canceled now. Not that you knew, go. Casey. <laughs> you knew. I would not have guessed what? Dumbledore. Is it even gay. necessary? I mean, he's like an old guy. He's the old Gandalf ripoff. Like, let him be. It wasn't think, integral to the plot at all. But isn't it interesting? Like, uh, they never really mention a whole lot of that. Like, Gandalf must have pulled in a lot of whatever he was into in his youth, right? I mean... <laughs> Gandalf was an angel. Elves? Elves? He's a Meyer. He's of the species Meyer, Casey. So, I don't know those things. I read the book. Oh my. So he's so, like an... He's Does like he an angel parts? who takes an earthly form. Does he have bits and pieces? Presumably, Probably. yes. Yes. <clears throat> or is it more like a dogma, where it's like a Ken doll type situation? No, doubt it. Doubt yeah. it. Okay. But it's not necessary. It's not necessary to the plot. Like, but aren't you curious? No. Like some point I'm in really his life, like, you're a little curious. Yeah, not like, at all. Are you guys? <laughs> are you guys like I don't. When I go to a movie like that, I don't really care. I mean, the you the don't think like what bigger, was his life like bigger was, than cultural issues? How no? How did cool. Gandalf backstory? Yeah, how no, it's to be Gandalf, right? That's like that's a perfect spinoff, right? Like when he used to go to those elf parties, uh, right? I mean, he had to slay whatever he wanted to slay. People are like, mm-hmm. oh, it's Gandalf over there, like. He's pretty tall, brooding, mysterious. You should go talk to him. Yeah. Or do you yeah. think people are like, ah, that's Gandalf. He doesn't have parts. Don't worry about it. Like, he's just smoking Pro- pipes. They probably like, did he always? He didn't like, always they just want to sit by the tree of wisdom, learn from him. That's what they want. But was he always that way? There had to be a time when Gandalf was just like, hey, check out magic. Like, boom. No, he was always this way. He was, when he came to Earth, he was to assume like an elderly man form. Um, and which was considered humbling, I guess, in Tolkien's opinion, versus being a young, spry hipster um, with a man bun, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he <laughs> is man bun. But this is true. Like he was what supposed you to man buns. Me, you, Mister, yeah, Chromie. I'm Whoa. sure you hate them. You hate mm, them. I, I would know if this. I could. I'd have a man bun if I could. You would not. Yeah, I would. No, no. I, I see your like old Owen. I've seen your old Owen Wilson Samurai's photos. Cool. So you're telling me Gandalf <laughs> just showed up one day. He was like, "I'm old." Correct. Yep. Like, yep. Dropped like, into what Middle book? Earth. What? Book and you don't is that think in? though he ever like? It's in the uh, Silmarion. Oof. Like that whole, that. like all the, the salamander. Casey, you watch your mouth. Yeah. Wow. You know I'm, a to- I'm like ride right or die with like, Tolkien. Man, I oh, gotta, you don't care. I gotta try this out. Like, finally got a body. Like, let's see what it's all about. Let's see what the fun times are. That's not. He's a higher being. He doesn't. He doesn't succumb to our earthly pleasures. We're so weak. 
He was such so a, weak. he's so intelligent. Like it was research. Wouldn't it be research? Like I can see what this is. He all doesn't about. even need it. He knows. <laughs> Instantly knows what it's like to have the sweet tenders, huh? A wizard is neither late nor on, nor early. He's always on time. Precisely. On time. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So think true. how good he would be in the sack. Wait. time finish. I, Every see, time. I that really nice? don't care. I don't need that much backstory. I don't need. Those That's all Jeremy and I want. I I don't need that much backstory, mm. but part if of you're me gonna get wonder, backstory. You might as well get the backstory. Yeah, mm, boys. I don't know. People are. Don't people, you think? Like don't you think these, these beings, like just like the elves, they're like thousands and thousands of years old. Like they don't care at some point. No, they care. Yeah, like I feel care? like they just develop like super slow. They they take their time. Elves know what it's like. Like you don't see young elves because they're out uh, spinning their yarns. What the like the Amish people, right? When don't they have a thing when they turn eighteen? They like go they wild. Go yeah, they, they wild out, like Nick Cannon would say. Isn't that true? Wild out. I, I don't think they use that terminology. Is that I'm where Sawyer sure wild? Is that where Sawyer wild oats came from? Yes. From the Is that true? From the Amish? Uh, I'll. So do you think like elves are like that, but instead of like one year, it's like two hundred years? No, let's go do that. I don't even know if that math correlates, Casey. It's probably more like eight hundred years, thousand. One year of elf time is eight hundred years of people. The ladriel is an old chick. She's. Did you guys watch uh, House of Power? No. Why not? It's not real Tolkien. Yeah. It's just these get, bunch of writers who are you saying it's just Tolkien? They get mad at the elves. Tolkien. Tolkien. Dwarf gets mad at the elves. Tolkien. Tolkien. He's like, you didn't, you didn't reach out, man. You didn't reach out. He's like, man, it hasn't been that long. See, I'm an elf. Just a bunch of drama, a bunch of manufactured yeah. drama. I don't need that stuff. You don't like, think that's you don't think that's Tolkien? It's not real Tolkien. If you like, they hired writers to like they were given approval to use use you know the characters and stuff like that, but it was completely original material. Which now they said that because it bombed so big time, they're gonna but they've invested so much into it. They're like season two now. They're gonna go back and have it be more canonical is the expression. Um, so so actually use stuff that's considered canon. Um, so we'll yeah, see. Nick Cannon. I'm not to read the yeah, Nick Cannon. Wild out. Yeah, and now yeah. we're back at Wild and Out. That's exactly yeah. what it means. I think. Pretty sure. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, it comes full circle. That's the Cannon full circle, as they say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See if you're running, right? This is too early for the segue. <laughs> no, let's hit full it. Circle. I like yeah. it. Full circle, like a nice like running a track. stride. Oh, yeah, yeah track's gonna be even better. On the track, oh, little hobbies. <laughs> Uh, now, do you think well, Gandalf has ever ran in his life? Why? Why would he? Well, that's what I mean. Like, aren't you curious about these things, Nick? I he rode like, a horse. He rode like, a horse, horse very quick. Shadow yeah. Fax is very fast. Yeah. Fastest horse. You don't think he ever, like, got off and, like, was like, uh, oh, chase after these young kids just for funsies? Ah, he might have. Gosh. I mean, he moved he's quickly like, at points. Oh, I'm like, like a angel guy. I don't have to do these earthly things like running. Nah, I mean, like, I think there's, I think he ran at some point in, like, the Battle of Minas Tirith, and he had to go think, s- save Faramir from being burned to death by his dad. 
I mean, you guys all remember what I'm talking about. (laughs) No. Everybody knows. Yeah. 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 He probably had a midfoot strike, which is supposedly the ideal foot strike now. Um, A lot of literature would support that, you know, as they say now. Is that is that about as good of a segue as we're gonna yeah, get? Yeah, I mean, let's go. Let's move on. Like, uh, what kind of foot strike did he have? Like he's got sandals on, segue. right? Like he wore sandals, right? His robe was so long you couldn't really see. You know, it was terrible. Had, like, like if he came into the clinic, he was wearing jays underneath. Yeah, I was gonna he say could, like Jordans. He could have he retro could take it from any time, right? Yeah, yeah. but yeah. but in a real world, in a real practical example, if he came into the clinic. You definitely have to have him go change into your best pair of champion shorts. Champions, um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, just take the old cheapies and be like, yeah. "We need these things thigh high." Um, Probably the orange color I would pick yeah. for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, <laughs> old classic or red, just so old, red. crappy, faded yeah. red, dark red. <laughs> yeah, where like yeah, the we ties get you up on the treadmill or... one extra long loop. They like couldn't oh. even take the time to cut that and put ends on it, so you could yeah. physically tie it. Now hobbits, on the other hand, they're they're barefoot by choice. Mm-hmm. So barefoot runners. Born, hashtag born to run. Hashtag um, born to run. Uh, <laughs> and they generally wear like capris, so you can get a good view of, <laughs> That's of everything they you need. To their pants. Give me a nice pair of capris. <laughs> hard, hard to believe. Clam diggers. Is that another? Yeah, that's just like another term. I feel like that's more appropriate, right? Yeah, they just called them their party pants. I assume. Yeah, they were party people. So they'd be easy. They're kind of like a real heel striker, though. I've noticed watching those movies. Oh, for sure. That is a lot of strike. A lot of foot there. Yeah, that is wide too. It's hard to tell if there's any sort of ankle motion at all. Yeah. We could yeah, be the best. Cushion. We would be the absolute best therapist in all of the Shire. Oh, Weird easy. Set up shop. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I want to take this crash wreck right now. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Anybody who's listened to these last two weeks are like, these dudes really don't care about running it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> which leads me to my point. Like, when, and that's why I wanted to ask you guys is like, how much a, a how much like do you guys actually see like gait analysis in the clinic, running analysis in the clinic, and like how much do you put the value into somebody's gait as far as leading to injuries? Because obviously you're going to get sports injury people, running injury people. How much of that do you factor in their actual gait pattern? I guess that's my first question. Uh, I'll start with uh, uh, Nick. You, you seem fired oh, up. Get it? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a great question, and I think it it's evolved over the years. Now, I, I really like to do running gait with almost any athlete that I work with, um, t- even if they're symptomatic on the day they come in. But um, I think it's particularly important, though. Anyways, like if it's an acute injury, and they didn't necessarily have any of these symptoms like running before it's not, it's not quite as important, but if it's something that's become much more chronic, like uh, this cross country athlete that, that I worked with um, a couple months ago, um, our goal was to try to just kind of get her manager into, you know, state and then um, get her on a program. So that in the future um, her pain doesn't come back. Right. And um, 
when you look at those things, I'm not afraid to get that person like on the treadmill right away or on the turf and just say, just show me, show me what this looks like. Right. If that's, what's causing your symptoms. Um, I'm not afraid of doing any further damage. So that, that's a, that's a shift in my own approach compared to where I was when I was more of a new grad um, earlier in my career where you're taught, like avoid, remember this, you avoid your position changes during your examination, avoid any exacerbating factors. Cause you really, you know, you don't want to stir them up, but I've completely 180 on that stuff. And I'd much rather watch them in their natural environment, try to determine if there's anything I'm seeing that correlates to those symptoms, you know, mm. but if, sometimes there's not, sometimes their game looks pretty good. And you're just like, all right, well, let's, uh, maybe we just got to go back here and, and, um, you know, treat it a little bit more, um, early stage acute symptomatically and then, and then strengthen you and send you on your way. And then try not to get them, try to get them afraid of running the rest of their Mm -hmm. lives. Yeah. I think that's always the hard part is doing a full running assessment and trying to break down all the pieces and to say, uh, you have this problem here, this problem here, this problem here. Let's correct, correct, correct. You'll feel better. Yeah. Um, but then keep them believing that running still a good thing to do. I think that's can be tricky sometimes. Mm-hmm. Where then is it always going to be anytime they get aches and pains from running? Does that change their mindset to like, I'm running incorrectly again? Or what am I doing wrong running? Um, and that's another question too is, you know, how much do you think their running gait pattern causes the injury? Uh, specifically running probably more than athletes. Somebody comes in um, and I'm not talking about the, Hey, I just decided to do a 5k uh, for the first time and now I'm hurting, but like uh, the cross country runner or the, Hey, I run like 10 miles a week yeah. and I've been training. Yeah. Yep. And now all of a sudden I got lateral knee pain or, you know, the front of my hip hurts. Um, you know, how much do you think that gait pattern I'm not gonna say I, contributes, but is like a, a big driver of that. Injury. Well, that's it. That's an awesome question, and one thing that's good to get into with them is because, from a practical standpoint, again, you cannot if you got a marathon runner like Jeremy. We've I know we've where you have guys like that in the past. It's 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 really unrealistic to ever try to correct everything and then and then present them in a way that's going to say, hey, now you're going to be right. Now you're going to change these things, get you in the right shoe, and everything's going to be perfect. Because so much, there's thousands of, and this is a real conversations I have with patients. So like, you're going to take, you know, 10,000, 15,000 steps during this race, depending on what you're trying to do there's going to be things that happen along the way. You're going to feel things like you're at mile 13 and you're, and Oh, now my, now my Achilles kind of bothers, but if I shift over here just a little bit, ah, that kind of feels better. Right. Mm. And you continue on, you keep slogging it out and two miles later, you're like, ah, now my knees kind of achy, right? Some of that's, you're only going to be able to manage so much realistic, you know, and then as fatigue sets in your mechanics, you know, kind of get exposed too. So building endurance, like globally, you want to focus on like kind of trying to find maybe correct. Like I think of it less in terms of correcting mechanics themselves, but finding a right speed, the right speed and cadence, mm. you know, because and oftentimes I find that the distance runners are probably running, especially if they're recreational, purely recreational. They had no formal training. They weren't cross country. They weren't track and field in high school, um, but they just got into it later in life as a way to like keep weight off and stuff. Got the running bug. Um, there, I real, a yeah, running, a running yeah, bug. 
Yeah. yeah metaphor, metaphorically of a huh. metaphor. It's terrible. Not like the Sheila and Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Um, but <laughs> what you're really thinking of, like, is, is again, get them on the treadmill and, and play around with speeds, you know? And sometimes, like, hey, tell me where you feel most comfortable, right? Um, my wife is a great example. Um, I kind of, she, she actually won um, a gain analysis from us quite a few years ago. And I think, Jeremy, I think you actually, I, did, I would refuse to do her screen. I just didn't think that was right. So, uh, nor did I think she listened to me um, all the way through. <laughs> so, um, Jared, we did like an FM, and then I had her, uh, <clears throat> one of her friends um, won the other one. And so we, we kind of take team that out. And one thing that's very evident, though, is like she would start way too slow on the treadmill, and her stride was, I'd just say, much too short. She was not really engaging any of her posterior chain as much as she should, and she developed quite a quite a lateral whip at like say she's running at like five point nine miles an hour. Where <laughs> once you get her up to like six point three, six point four, six point five, still not record breaking times, but it made enough of a difference where it really normalized that gain. Now, Jeremy, anything to add off of that stuff? Yeah, I think it's. Uh... I think it's always hard, right? Like when you talk about that with, uh, you know, again, well, I'm going to dial back runners. Uh, if they're a true runner, I find like more often than not, they have no fear avoidance. Like they just want to run no matter what, Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, and they're going to find a way And that at times, like the hardest thing is getting them to back off maybe just a little bit in, in the short term while you're trying to get them cooled off. Um, but yeah, I would agree like where you'd say, you know, kinematics aren't going to uh, predict injury, but I would also say that there's like a certain point, like if you go, man, you're getting a ton of frontal plane deviation. Um, you know, you're bounding when you are walking, like there's a six inch, you know, gap during your stride length, you know, to say like, yeah, whether we uh, just play with cadence. I like that one too, Nick. I like, I know I, I probably stole that from you. But just like where you you make a small change in tempo and and see what corrects itself, you know, and like basically just putting that person in a position yeah. to succeed versus having to say, no, you, you need to you need to land here. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do yeah. this. A lot of times just speed will will like the body mm -hmm. will find that most efficient way to move. Um, but I do think, yep, endurance, core strength, uh, proximal hip stability, huge, uh, especially if you're getting more into distance. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, I, I do think there are pieces too. Like, yeah, if you got somebody that's crossing midline, like crazy and just leak and torque everywhere, yeah. you know, really like where you say, yeah. you'd say like, Hey, this, this isn't necessarily like to prevent injury, but this is like a performance thing. Like yeah. you're going to be much yeah. more effective, you know, going here if we tweak this. And, uh, like you said, you're not going to ever fix everything. Yeah. Um, but I think there are some pretty small things that we can do um, that can really have a big effect over the course of miles and miles to help performance. Yeah. And then I, I guess I, you're right. You can't prevent all injuries, but like try to reduce that chance. Right. Yeah. And on your point, I mean, you're like, you're right. The ultra disciplined runners, like they're going to do it. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> they're, they're only worried about like, Oh man, I just, these are the ones I worked with with like a couple of Achilles injuries. Um, 
they're really worried about the thing just blowing up on a mid-race. You know, yeah. that, that's like a fear that would come in. But um, I think to the other ones, let's say it's, again, it's your weekend warrior, somebody who wasn't traditionally trained that way. Um, setting expectations for the race are big, you know, and for distance running in general, because and you can use good examples. You know, now, I mean, even marathons themselves aren't a big deal anymore in that community. It's like ultras, ultras. right? You know, <laughs> 200 milers. And yeah. to be able to say those people like put their bodies through such massive abuse, but they're able to come, overcome so much of it mentally. Right. And pacing themselves is, is absolutely imperative. You know, you can't just go out there and, and keep, you know, keep uh, chugging along unless you, you're just gifted with some magical mental power, you know, um, to overcome stuff. But you're, cause you're going to have all types of issues come up, whether it's stress fractures, you know, blisters, like skin sloughing off your feet. Um, mm-hmm. blisters, you know, terrible stuff like that. Um, that's just going to happen. No matter how much you try to manage it, it's going to happen. You know, it's just yeah. when. Yeah. And I think I've moved away from, uh, foot strike so much and like, the mm-hmm. more, where is the foot strike landing? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, is it under your base of support, uh, making sure that you're not too anterior, not, you know, having that breaking force, not that you're too far behind to where you're falling over throughout that. So there are some like pretty basic things, just, you know, eight to 10 degrees of trunk lean, things like that, that I'll try to cue a little bit. Um, but then, you know, finding that comfortable spot for them, you know, for, from a foot strike, uh, position or standpoint. Yeah. Do you guys think there are people that just shouldn't run? No. No. Yeah. I would agree. I was curious. I, I make the argument like uh like we talk uh photo stuff, right? Like and make the argument like people are like, I don't run, I haven't ran in years. And I'm like, Well, if you're in a parking lot, I want you to be able to run out of the way. You know, if you got a car like that doesn't see you, I want you to be able to run out of the way. Well, yeah, I, I think I could probably do that. How much of you a, should be able to. <laughs> no, you should be a, able to. What a good question. I mean, how much of a disservice has the healthcare community done to patients in general who've had, you know, different surgeries over the years? Where, like, after a total knee, they're told you're never going to run again. Well, that's going to really freaking suck if your house is on fire. <laughs> you know, you're just going to yeah. slowly waddle out. Yeah, of I had my yeah. knee replaced. I guess I'll no, I don't want to wreck my knee, right? <laughs> no. <clears throat> I mean, we, we just got to do better. I mean, we have to finally start cleaning up some of this stuff and, and not be afraid to uh, kind of venture off into that stuff once they get, you know, the appropriate clearance and they have some, you know, some healing going on there. Oh, my mom ran um, the 10K about a year after her total knees. Her total knees, her. you know. Um, she started out walking and then she, she just couldn't hold back anymore and got back into running it out. So um, she was fine. I mean, that's, that's just so funny about it. It's like, when you think about it, why wouldn't you, right? Why, I mean, people are, they're like, well, then you might need a revision 10 years or, you know, might not only, might only last you that. But shit, that happens all the time anyways. Oh, you yeah. see it, you In see it with more obese people. You want to take, you want to take 13 years of living your quote unquote best life or 15 years and still needing re- repair anyway. <laughs> Uh, I think we talked about it here. You know, the research shows that like it doesn't affect, like it doesn't, doesn't, uh, yeah, right. It lessens 
there is more wear and tear on the joints, but it actually lessens your need to get a revision. It's interesting, you know, it, like it does wear the components down, but they got a lot to give. Oh, yeah. I wasn't talking. I wasn't talking total knees. I apologize. Uh, there's a great JOSPT perspective. I got. I just got to get this out there. I quote this one all the time. That they took recreational runners, sedentary people, and and uh, what they would consider uh, more competitive runners. The the cutoff was 57 miles a week for recreational to competitive. And what they found was that the recreational runners had a three and a half percent. Uh, incidents of OA, non-runners had 10.2% and your competitive runners had 13.3. So most people are going to be in that recreational phase. Yeah. Um, and I'd make the argument that that extra 2% chance of having OA, all the health benefits of running 60 miles a week. Massive oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, uh, yeah, I get that all the time and I'm like, actually <laughs> you know yeah. like this is actually what the research says so um don't be yeah. afraid yeah no. which which brings up another interesting point because i was reading uh, another article i should quote it but i don't remember where it was from where they did have like people that ran greater than 15 years did have a slightly higher uh, risk of oa but again most people that ran for 15 years or greater were elite runners like they fell into that category. Those those were the people that uh, they kind of followed, which was I forget how many miles it was, um, fifty or something a week like that. So, is there is there an upper limit to the human body of uh, well, what me... is good and like what your joints can handle, what the load can handle? I mean, because we always talk about load and like yeah. rating it and and every human you know, should be, be different. I don't think we can answer that because everybody's everybody's blessed with like different abilities, right? Like we talked about with strength training, you know, when we talked to some guys are, you know, whether they're meta <laughs> pharmaceutically enhanced or not, but they're able to like, you know, squat over a thousand pounds, which is unreal in my mind. Um, yeah. There's just like, there's some people who can habitually run, you know, a marathon. There's people who've ran a marathon a day for, yeah. you know, a hundred days. Um, I don't know if we're qualified to answer that, nor should we be. I mean, we just don't have all the answers to it. Um, no my bad. question, I got, I want a question back to you guys though. Have you ever rehabbed a total knee of an individual who's a lifelong runner? Cause I have never recently that I can think of. Uh, I mean, I've had some pretty fit total knees, but, um, I don't know if like competitive running was ever like a part of the picture. I I've never. Because I, I do, I don't know if I've ever Somebody had a that total knee where five miles like, a day. No, yeah, where they're like, I got to get back to running. I, I guess that, sadly, and that's messaging again. Like they, I do have people with total knees that like give up running because they're yeah. not to run. Yeah. But but I'm saying like up until that point, yeah. like no, I can't, I can't think of You're a single far one. between. For sure, <sighs> I could now, be forgetting one. How many somewhere. sedentary couch potatoes have you seen for total knees? A percentile wise, ninety nine percent, maybe ninety eight. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting for sure. Yeah, I was uh, talking tissue tolerance as we we're looking into the stuff. I, you know, there's some interesting research on like, like osteogenesis, osteo bone growth uh, due to like uh, tissue response and how really our tissues become deaf to tone or deaf to load after a while. I don't know if you guys seen some of that deaf, research where deaf tones. 
Love the, the deaf tones. Yep. We've established uh, that. Yeah. yeah. They're Fair. deaf to tone, you're saying? Uh, deaf to load is what I meant. Um, so you'll see like um, osteoblast activity increase for the first 10, 15 minutes of say a run. But after that, it your body kind of shuts that down. Um, so they talk about if you're trying to load up, say, for a race. Um, and then that window resets after about four to six hours. Hmm. So they're saying if you're going to try to load up tissue uh, and really try to get its tolerance up, you're way better off doing like shorter bouts four to six hours apart multiple times a day. Um so that just some interesting research on that because for that for that particular purpose though, right? Because um, when you the, run a race though, those guys are, I think they're almost <clears throat> entirely focused on muscular cardiovascular endurance, mm-hmm. which you can't get by breaking it up. But um, I, I guess what I've talked about is like, yeah, I guess just tissue. To- you know, you talk about like Achilles tendon tolerance to mm-hmm. running, something like that. Um, kind of, I, I haven't seen as much with tendon tolerance as bone tolerance, but I'd assume there's some similarities there. Um, and that may be a bad assumption, but, um, so it's just interesting because is, is a little bit of tissue load just as good as a lot of bit of tissue load, uh, is, is walking, can walking make you a better runner? I, I guess there's some conversation on that, you know? Um, somebody gets themselves into a running injury, is it better to just deload the running and keep doing it? Do you cross train, throw them on a bike, throw them on, um, elliptical Are things like plyos great for running conditioning or should you just run? Um, so there's just a lot of interesting conversation on that. Yeah. I think, you know, I think most things, most literature supports you got to you got to find some method of cross training not even swimming as an adjunct um to to actually deal with the tissue and some you know for some days of the week um so you're not like to your point on tendon overload you can't you can't reason most reasonable people are not going to be able to develop that by you know week one going out and i'm going to do like four four and then ten even though I wasn't doing anything close to that, because then you do run the risk of, of injury and tendinopathy because you haven't built up the tolerance. Yeah. Do you think that's most running injuries that you run into or in the clinic are people that just try to load too fast or too great or both? Yeah. A little, well, <clears throat> a little bit of that. Um, I think, I think at some point the, as they're trying to pile stuff on, um, I heard this from a different, and I don't know how well studied this is. There's not a lot of research on it, but let's just say everybody's got, every human body has a different threshold on steps, right? How mm-hmm. many, how many you're supposed to be, how many strides you're taking when you're running, how many miles you got in you before stuff starts wearing out, right? And and you can adjust that by gradually going into it, but your baseline is still your baseline. So if you come out maybe too much too soon, like you said. Or if you're, even if you're an advanced runner, um, but you never give yourself like a rest cycle, you know, they say that's predisposes you to it, right? Um, where you didn't, you never had any type of cycle where you were still running, but you dropped your mileage 50% for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> now what's insane, you know, obviously there's the Cameron Haynes, David Goggins, these guys out there. And, and there's even, 
Yeah, they're they're never, you know, they never tap to those tapers. And they're just doing they're just doing it every single day. Um, and they're injury free. So, you know, for the most part, now they'll still get like Goggins has incredible stories about running through stress fractures and stuff like that. But, um, I don't know. They're shifting that paradigm a little bit too, though. Yeah, because I mean, how how long does a person need to deload? How long do you need to cut back? What's the theory behind how long you wait? You know? Yeah, yeah. Whether you're running or whether you're powerlifting, powerlifters prescribe to that same thing. Bodybuilders have off seasons mm-hmm. too. Um, yeah, obviously, your athletes. Your you know? Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, what is the <clears throat> optimal? You know, if you have a runner, what do you tell them? Like, hey, every three months you got to deload for a week. Um, I guess that's always the interesting conversation to have because, like you guys said, runners, it's pretty hard to make them quit running. <laughs> um, that's a lot of times why they are bad therapy patients sometimes because it's like, hey, just, you know, it hurts at three miles. Why don't you just run two miles for a while and enjoy it? And they just don't, you know, or they stop um, or change something for a week or two and it feels better. And they go right back to 10 miles. I was feeling good. So I went 10 miles. It started hurting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Do you Moving guys have target. like advice to give people or just kind of. You need a horse to water. Yeah. I think it'll, yeah, I think it always Punch depends on the, the person. Face till they drink. Depends on the person. I think depends that's on how the presentation. Goes. Depends on <clears throat> how much they've been running, all those things, you know? Yeah. Um, it's leveling with them, like you're saying, Jeremy. I mean, because you don't, so like we just said, you don't want to go too far down the road and making them fearful of it, right? If somebody who does totally trust and buy into everything you say, but maybe hears, hears it differently and is like, now I better never run more than five miles. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what I said either, right? You know, so gradually, you know, build yourself back up. Yeah. 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 Just like you gotta, you gotta take those times during the holidays to, you know, hit the reset treats. button. Deload. Treat, treat yourself. Treat yourself. Deload and reload, baby. Yeah. Then Woo. overload, which is what I do at the holidays. And overload. There was a lot of good snacks. So a top five this week. Holiday foods and or beverages this holiday season. Holiday season obviously kind of includes Thanksgiving through New Year's. Uh, you guys all on the same page there? I'm mostly yeah. focused on Christmas because, uh, like, for me, Thanksgiving is just like a super eat day. But, like, Christmas holidays kind of my jam. I, I yeah. don't Thanksgiving gotcha. is just like a day for me. Where Christmas, that's a season. Season, <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, pretty much same here too. <clears throat> yeah, I'd say mine are very seasonal, very December into January, and then uh, move on out. Got enough yeah. of the good stuff. Yeah. So um, I can kick it off and hit it. Go from there. Um, number five. Mm, I got to. Uh, cut my teeth on making one of these last year oh gingerbread house didn't turn out i have uh, i said last meant two years ago um it is a delicious prime rib that is medium rare um very seasonal mm-hmm. uh, i believe if you look it up as far as meats go it's like one of the most common like well to do uh foods to uh, eat during christmas so um, my mom had purchased a big, beautiful prime rib 
And I gave it the old herb crusting, everything like that, and then smoked it nice and low mm. and slow. Um, gave, tented it. Um, and then I sliced it up perfectly medium rare. But uh, turns out most people in my family didn't care for it as much because really? it was too bloody. So oh. I had my big slab and then uh, put it back on the smoker uh, until it reached more of like a medium. <laughs> It's funny though, because I looked at it, I'm like, this is exactly how, like, if you're looking up on Instagram, yeah, looks beautiful. You know, this is what everybody wants. But now, did you tell them that kind of gross. red red stuff's not actually blood? You know, uh, make it feel better? No, I didn't. Oh, no. Get the get the science behind there. And then it's it's I like a little bit of a horseradish dip. Mm. Go creamy or goes, ground? Creamy. Um, ground just kill. I think it fries me too much. That's my own personal preference. Yeah. Okay. But prime rib, man, um, when prime rib's done well, it is very, very good. So that's my number five. Uh, I'll go next. My number five uh, is a delicious eggnog. Uh, love it. That's, today's episode was brought to you by eggnog. Um, yeah, i a uh, big fan. I love it. The only time I will drink. Eggnog is pretty much in the month of December, but uh, unpopular opinion. I actually don't typically like adding alcohol to it. I prefer it on its own. Yeah. Who's kind of gives it a weird flavor to me, but never had eggnog. Whoa. Really? Ever? Really? Zero times. What's uh, what's holding you back? Uh, no, sounds, more. sounds gross. A little thick. Mm. Yeah. A little thick. It's like you drink whole milk. What's in the nog? I mean, what like is the nog all, portion? All spice and uh, nutmeg. Milk, cream, sugar, uh, egg yolk, uh, yeah, nutmeg, turmeric. Turmeric. So it's good for your joints. Yeah. Inflammation. Yeah. Actually, according to this, that's for color, not your joints, Nick. <laughs> for the label. It's not dose tied up. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, there's I nothing this, gross in it, Jeremy. When I moved to Marshall, I had this thing with a buddy of mine where I think it was like nine or 10 years in a row. We'd, we'd like be in a grocery store and one of us would buy a quart of eggnog and be like, I'm going to try it again. It? No, buy it, bring it home and, and pour myself a glass. And I'm like, yeah, I still don't like it. Well, I try it like year like after it, huh? year. I, I think I'm going to, but I'm, I, I think I'm going to like it every year. And I've tried it with rum. I've tried it with, um, you know, other liqueurs to like mix it with. And just, Are you French? I have a can. fine crevassier in this one. It's delicious. Crevassier smoke running back for Kentucky. Good. Um, no, I, I just, I've tried. I really do. I, I, I was tempted, and I saw it again a couple weeks ago, and I was tempted to buy a jug. And I'm like, nah, it's just going to sit. I'll have like one small glass, and then I'll, I'll have to throw it out in two months because it ends up in the back of my fridge. Yeah, we <laughs> run into, my, my wife makes like a, peppermint ice cream punch with it uh when we have friends over uh they like it i just drink the nog myself but we always end up throwing quite the a bit nog. Of as well but me personally yeah that's a nice little nightcap um he's a nog bro i like it nog that's my number five <laughs> i might have to try i might go on buy some tomorrow try it maybe make your uh, own maybe you should try to make your own my uh number five that sounds horrible <laughs> <laughs> My number five is uh, a tried and true treat uh, for the Christmas time. <laughs> okay. Can come in uh, Christmas tree shapes. 
Oh God! Did we Bell lose oh, and Stalker? Uh, this is this is a straight up sugar cookie, uh, sugar cookie with a little bit of just regular old frosting. That nothing puts you in the Christmas spirit like that. I'm not a big sweets guy. A lot of sweets made my list uh, because this is about the only time yeah. I eat them, and half of it is because we have so many patients that bring stuff into the clinic. Um, and that's like, if I see a plate of cookies, that's going to be my first go-to. So now are you like a crispy sugar cookie guy or like a pillowy soft sugar cookie guy? Uh, crispy. I like mm. crispy. What is, what is so wrong with you, J-Bone? I use that. Uh, it's like a, a pillowy soft like a, sugar cookie guy. It's a scone. It's like a yeah, scone boring. with coffee. Scone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Scone texture of a scone. Yeah. All right. All right. I don't agree, Jeremy. I find sugar cookies to be the worst cookie. They're so boring, right? It's, like, it also makes my worst five list. So okay. stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> That'll be next week's list. Beast favorite and Jeremy's like, oh, sugar cookie is my number two. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind it as much when you're five and five. He's like, you, guys, you guys talked like about you guys talked me out of You're right. They suck. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I had one. It was gross. <laughs> those loft house people yeah, the whole world <laughs> fool um my number four is uh my first venture into adult beverage on my list um and this last year at pps jeremy you got me to break into it just a teensy bit early and it is a delicious red wine um mm. i'm very seasonal on this we've talked about different alcoholic beverages that that my my body just craves at different times and I'm I'm not particularly picky whether it's a Cabernet or a Merlot. Um, not really much of a Pinot guy, but definitely Cabernet and Merlot. Yeah. Um, and when it gets when it snows falling and I can sit around with Michelle, mm-hmm. you know, uncorkable bottle of red wine, you feel like wise. You feel grown up. Now you and, hold uh, on the couch, feet up, fireplace. Yeah, I'm just sitting there and listening oh, to Last yeah. Christmas and I got giggle. That in my mind. Wow. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this idyllic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very number four is is red wine because then come the end like I might consume that into January, but then not much beyond that. As it starts warming up, I'm like <sighs> I don't want a dry mouth all the time. Mm, I gotta say not seasonal for me at all. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> that's a, that's a every night of the week trick. <laughs> it's part of communion. All right. I, every two weeks with communion. <laughs> Maybe like a nice mulled wine. I don't know if you guys ever hammer into that, but. That's a good, that's a good uh, Christmas treat too. Yeah. If I'm going to do a seasonal wine, I guess that would be the one. Uh, my number four. Uh, already been covered uh, by Mr. Nick Doling. Uh, prime rib, man. It's about the only... I love prime rib. I will eat it in a restaurant if it's on special and they still got medium rare. But for the most part, Christmas, uh, if I have my choice, I'm always cooking a prime rib. Uh, and bones on it, nice crust on the outside, score it up a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Get that fat cap cooking, sizzling. Mm. So yeah. good. It is yeah. very delicious. Yeah, my family actually enjoys it quite a bit. So, yeah. Uh, also, probably creamy horseradish, typically, uh, just because I don't know. Yeah, I can just enjoy it more. Like, I like a chopped yeah. up horseradish sometimes, but you're right. Every once in a while, that sucker is overpowering. And they don't, they don't exactly give away a large prime rib, you know, if you're going to prepare it yourself. So, 
you don't <laughs> want to burn your nose out like yeah, just that blast day. everything with too much horsey on it right away uh are you referring so we're <laughs> arby's horsey sauce order the catering but just i'll just take the horsey sauce please that was like a south park joke one episode right the horsey sauce was making everybody have diarrhea <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a questionable sauce for sure yeah yeah very good i say great choice uh jeremy yeah <laughs> uh, number four uh, my number four is uh, also generally on that plate of cookies that those ladies bring in. Uh, it's some nice homemade fudge. Uh, mm. I'm telling you, that's mm-hmm. like the only time I eat it throughout the year. Um, but it's good. And I'm a little pissed at our staff because we had somebody bring in a whole plate. And that whole plate was gone before I got a single piece. Yeah, I know. Oof. I know. I told them. I I said like I'm really disappointed in you guys, um, <laughs> and they didn't care because they said it was great. You so, didn't walk into the break room and just what a bunch of selfish pigs. Like what the frick is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, everyone was like, oh, I only had one piece. Okay, three. You said you had one piece, and the whole plate's gone. Where did it go? Oh, uh, Christmas yeah, bonuses a lot are of- gone. <laughs> bonuses are gone ptos all <laughs> off the books so uh yeah hey, no cash ins are out here yeah, enjoy no, your fudge enjoy your fudge yeah hope that was good uh <laughs> hopefully we uh our our uh, mantra our, our team goal for 2023 is do better do better <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Straight, hard straight better. chocolate fudge is that <laughs> is that kind of how you go straight chocolate straight chocolate fudge and they're you know I take that back. I've had a little bit. If, if you get up uh, to the UP, Doling, do you stop at any of those shops up by uh, by the Mackinac, Mackinac Bridge? Oh, oh we brought back man. tons of Mackinac fudge. Good it was fudge good. up there too. Then we you get into legit like, stores. Yeah, you get my, like fifty kinds of fudge up there. That's my mom stuff. makes Dude. her own fudge, like red velvet's pretty solid, Ooh. peanut butter. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes like unicorn I, fudge that's to die for. It's like purple. Yeah, man. That's what I think. Like the the seat as Jeremy's talking about. My mom used to be one of those gals, and I'm, I'm not, you know, as life's gotten away, I think she shifted a little bit away from it. But I always tell this story about when we were growing up, um, and she was back in college, so she had a she'd have her own Christmas break, and we'd come home, you know, onto the porch like that last day of school before Christmas, and the whole porch was covered with like a variety of all this stuff, like fudge and. And there'd yeah. be the homemade caramel corn, Twix bars, nut clusters, all these things. And it was like, eh, I wonder it was a fast track to obesity. Um, but I've, you know, worked my way around that. Um, <laughs> that's what I think. And then, then I got older and got in therapy and like these gals would bring in these variety trays and man, that just killed. I'm a variety guy anyways. Yeah. That's my weakness. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. It all. Um, my number three is a sweet. It is um, my only sweet food that made it on my list. My short list was filled with them, but when I came down to a more savory guy, um, it is a it's a delicious cherry cheesecake. Mm. Um, and I'm a cheesecake guy in general. Mm-hmm. I like I like cheesecake just about in any way, shape, or form. But Guilty. this time of year, like cherry, just seems right. You know, it it's like the cheap, you know, whatever gelatinous stuff in a can i don't mm. like that shit 
this time of year. Um, I don't, I don't even need, and I don't even need to eat that many of the cherries. I'll just eat the gelatinous goo. It tastes like cherry. Yeah, the goo is the best part. Made made of zero percent real cherries. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's that's my number three. My mom used to make this great cheesecake dessert every year, and that was like the Christmas Eve, like the final yum yum before opening some presents and god it was dominant so and i've never grown out of that so i've grown to love it like she never made it new york style but now as i've never i love new york style like the heavier more dense the better yeah i'm just a regular cheesecake guy i don't like a lot of frills on my cheesecake yeah unless i real caramel's good no Mm. i don't do any of that stuff i just like the cheesecake Every once in a while, if I'm feeling fancy, I'll do a turtle cheesecake. But see, I I think the fruit, like whether it's strawberry or cherry, I, it gives it enough contrast for me where I can go with it. Um, so I'm not like a chocolate. I've had different ones where they're like, oh, it's a you know mm. extra chocolate on it or a fudge cheesecake and stuff. And I'm like, like ah, a chocolate crust. Yeah, it doesn't jive as well together. No, it's got to have the graham cracker crust and. Uh, like I said, I've grown, I love that New York style. Like if you go to like Costco makes like that legit, probably Great. 10 pound, you yeah. know, cheesecake, drop it, break somebody's foot, you know, Solid it's good. cheesecake. My number three, uh, second beverage on the list. Uh, and anybody that uh, holidays with me knows this is my jam. Cause I drink about 10 bottles of it. It is non-alcoholic. <laughs> Sparkling grape juice. Oh. Uh, it comes with the foil top. Dude, I loved it as a kid. Still as an adult. Anytime we have Thanksgiving and Christmas, I buy six, seven bottles of it. True story. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, my wife's sister also loves it. So there's always a battle uh, to make sure we get all of it. I always joke that I keep a couple in the toilet tank in the back just for emergency <laughs> purposes, just so she can't. That's find why. Them all. That's why I brought it so I could have it all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to share. No, I love peeling the stupid foil off. And it's so bubbly, uh, nice and crisp. It sits uh, a little lighter with my meal than anything else. So I just enjoy it. Well, that's, that's my number three a nice sparkling white grape preference, if I had to choose. Uh, sparkling apple, sparkling pear, garbage. You got to go white grape or regular grape, but Welch's, of course. Welch's. Good people. Welch's. Um, yeah. What's, what's the other one? Martinelli's? You don't like... Uh, Not as good. That? I feel like no? there's a little bit of like a salty aftertaste to those. Not as good. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll, in a pinch, if the toilet tank's empty of Welch's and somebody brings one over, I'm probably going <laughs> to crack into it. But I like that you're... <laughs> only, oh, after him, only after... Four or five bottles of Welch's. Yeah, he's man. a man of standards. <laughs> I am. When it comes to children's sparkling grape juice, I, I was gonna say my kids love it. My, I, I never. I don't think we ever got those growing up. I don't remember my folks Me ever splurging. So um, Michelle did though, because she's introduced that to our kids. They, they love it. They get the kick out of it. You know. Yeah, it's fun. Mm-hmm. In the new year with some bubbly. Yeah. yeah. Me and Lacey on the couch, feed up fireplace, a little sparkling grape juice. <laughs> little Welch's. Little Welch's. Yeah. Oh. oh, that's crazy. Just, that's just giggling. Yep. <laughs> Listening to the, the Elvin and the Chipmunks, all I want for Christmas is a hula hoop. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, well <laughs> I know Jeremy. Three. It's not sparkling grape juice. Uh, oh, then it's I the know. wrong answer. I know, I know. Um, so uh, this is simple, but this brings me back to being a kid too, because we always, always, always had candy canes around. Um, so number three, candy canes, but not peppermint. Uh, give me Skittles. Give me sweet tarts. <laughs> give me Sour Patch Kids. Starburst. Fruit. Right? Starburst, yes. Any fruit-flavored candy cane, even the – well, the blue ones are pretty good too. Um, but I don't Menthol. like – I like chew them. Like I could go through a whole box. Um, yeah. And obviously the, the most uh, challenging, frustrating, rewarding part is unwrapping the hook of the candy cane. <laughs> yeah, without breaking it. Without they come breaking like, it. I swear Let's these go! things now. Let's go. There you go. They Let's come go! like, yeah, yeah, we're kind of, I didn't do the old elf in the shelf for the young guys yet. Um, in our family. And I had some uh, Jolly Rancher smoothie flavored ones that i found that i i you know dispersed out over the weekend in the the green apple has to be killer in those dude i well i never had it I, and that's what i was telling my boys i'm like you guys have no idea how good you have it because yeah when we were growing up peppermint was what Straight we got peppermint, peppermint sucks it mm-hmm. just does right. and then yeah. but you know what if you i remember as we had some teachers that when brock started making the cherry flavored multicolor one yeah like that so cool the og first fruit flavored one that was like amazing you're like oh. yeah you know that was life best. changer now you're right you go through the aisle i was like kid all over again i'm like starburst jolly rancher sweet tarts <laughs> yes please <laughs> like, oh, do like sour patch kids and they have like the ones where you they come with like the uh the, the sour goo you dip it in right mm, like oh. a fun dip candy cane that'd be kind of like fun wow. dip but they have but it now goo. it's like it's like a goo yeah, yeah sour <laughs> gel yeah the cherry yeah. goo without the cherries all right you you save yourself well, you, i thought you were gonna go og peppermint i was no, like no yeah, that's dude, a garbage they gotta be <laughs> he's wilding they out they gotta be the fruit flavor <laughs> <laughs> Bugging and bugging, baby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I always found like candy canes. I don't know what the statute of like uh, limitations and freshness on a candy cane are, but three or four years. Yeah, because <laughs> we would be, we put them on the tree and they wouldn't get eaten, and we throw them in the box with the ornaments. Oh, you're put good. Them, put them back on. You, you are good. Every couple years, I would cool. pull one off and try it. <laughs> it's still terrible, yeah. but about the same freshness. Well, they reach a point too where the wrapper doesn't want to come off them. It's like melded yeah. together too. It's true. We are. But one. yeah, like I said. So, so the thing that's always bothered me though with candy canes is like they must have somebody in that factory that's like cracking one third of them right off the bat before they shove them in the box. Because <laughs> yeah. even that Jolly Rancher one, as I took them out, there's like twelve, and three of them were already cracked and broken. It's like <laughs> this was in a box. Like, how does this happen all the time? But yeah. whatever. It's a weak point. Structural error. Yeah, a bunch of fumbling, right bumbling fools at, at the Jolly Rancher. <laughs> they should do an chat. offset candy cane. Like a normal, like an offset walking cane. Maybe offset that a little bit and the, the weak point would be right over the moon. Oh. Strong point. Well, you have to send that idea in. Short, short-based quad candy canes. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a niche for those, I think. <laughs> I really do. Time for you to fill it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number two. Number two. 
Uh, I'm back to another beverage for me. Mine is, again, adult beverage, very seasonal. I don't need many of these, but at least one per year, uh, particularly around like Christmas Eve, maybe Christmas Day. I like a good Sam Adams winter lager. And then there's some other companies who make like a winter seasonal beer. It's usually like a dark, nuttier flavor, has some spice to it. Um, nutty. Yes, Yes, brown lager, brown, um, but it's good. I don't know. It, and I don't need many. Again, one or two, and I feel like that's plenty. And I've got my fix for the season. Something I started getting into in college um, when, actually, even in the, not even more until grad school, but when the um, when like the Sam Adams variety boxes would start coming out, you'd have the old Fezziwig in there, which sucked, but Winter lager, very, very delicious. And I still like it to this day. Kind of calls me. Um, Shell makes like fire brick, and that that's not bad either. Um, and there's some few other ones too. It's gotta be, it's gotta be kind of darker and meatier, you know, just feeling like 350 calories in a 12 ounce bottle. It's that's good. right. The eggnog's about a thousand calories in it. Eight ounce. Correct. Cup, so. Yes. Um, yeah, my wife likes, I believe it's Linen Kugel's like cheer for all beer or whatever. Oh, mm, nice yeah. seasonal as well. You're yeah. right. It's got spice to it. Yeah. They, yeah. And Sam, I, I sounds like I'm shilling for Sam's, but they, I've tried all these other ones and some of them just do it. They maybe go a little overboard with like the allspice, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah, if you put on chicken, great. I love Caribbean jerk. Ma- <laughs> no, all like Jamaican allspice. So it's know. got that, you know, like you know, it was a joke. About. It was just sorry. Yeah. I'm like the Drax of our podcast. <laughs> a little into the room. No, not <laughs> not Lowry's. <laughs> Nothing goes over my head, Jeremy. <laughs> my reflexes are too good. Catch it. <laughs> Goose Island makes a nice IPA as well. Christmas IPA. I make a Christmas. A little, I, I'm gonna have to check that out. It's a little different, but it's good. Goose is just you. Goose is IPA. That's legit. I mean, you can. You can't, solid. Yeah, I mean, you, it's just good standard beer. You know, yeah. delicious IPA. My number two. We've moved back to sweet. Uh, and and I don't know if there's a different name for this, but I had to look it up because I don't know what it was called. Uh, reindeer bait. Are you guys familiar with that? Uh, what? Which is like Chex Mix pretzels, M&Ms, white chocolate, marshmallows. I actually prefer it with like the puff corn versus the chick mix. Mm. But that treat, whew, that is a holiday trail mix you're going to want to down. That sucker, I don't know. Only time I have it's Christmas time and it is tasty. One of my favorite things, I could eat a bag of that in the sitting. So that's my number two, man. Mm-hmm. Reindeer bait. Uh, Those white mixes, corn. man. Homemade caramel corn, caramel puff corn. Dangerous, man. Looking that recipe up, Jeremy? Yeah, it looks like uh, there's a a fair amount of, uh, you know, individuality, creativity you can have with that. Yeah, I like, like I said, I like the puff corn. It's kind of like a checks, but kind of like a puppy chow on steroids. Yeah, not a bad way. We like steroids on the spot, too. Yeah, we do. We do. And peptides. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like the white chocolate and marshmallow is like way easier on your fingers than powdered sugar like Puppy Chow. I like that call. I I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a better Puppy Chow. Are you guys still into Puppy Chow? Has it gotten older? 
Uh, not as much as a kid. I thought that was maybe the greatest bake sale item. You agree. Agree. Like yeah. mom and dad, I'm going to need an advance on my allowance because there's a bake sale today. Or we, or we go to like a wrestling tournament and after you weigh in, there's concessions and everything. And they have like the little Ziploc baggies, like puppy chow. And like, yeah, it was unbelievable. Now I'm like, I don't need much. Like I'll have a couple bites. And then I'm like, ah, I got powdered sugar all over my fingers. It sucks. You know? Yeah, this all, is the next step. Move into you're the You're old age. and crotchety. Yeah, yeah. But, but you're right. Powdered the, sugar. The mix you're talking oh about, God. which I, we call the reindeer what? Reindeer droppings. Less enjoyable. Less enjoyable. That sounds delicious. But you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> melt in your hands so readily. I mean, you're not mm-hmm. left with like the need to either lick them clean or wipe them clean. It's... The older you get, the less cool that is, unless you're eating chicken pots. Mm, then it's great. Then it's totally cool. Yeah. Totally legit. <laughs> Comes with territory. <laughs> All Jeremy. Right. My number two, another sweet. Um, I can't believe four out of five made it. Um, but these are pizza bars. Um, mm. So it's like an oatmeal graham cracker crust with caramel is like the sauce then you have m&ms typically at christmas time they were red and green and white chocolate over the top i don't know if you've ever had them but they're never even heard of can them. somebody produce can somebody produce this i sounds really good they um, are legit and you they must be because i trust you've had the quote-unquote twix bar is it something like this uh, i don't Should know be? Wait, you guys You're probably sh- can't. Can you see my screen? No, it's all oh. black. Oh, there we go. Sorry. Yes. Oh yeah. Yep. I think I have had those. I had no idea they were called pizza bars. What's uh? It looks what's, like uh, a little piece of pizza. Is what kind of pizza do you eat out there? I've never seen a pizza before. But it's like supreme. It's, it's <laughs> some sort of deluxe. <laughs> With some sort of brown sauce. Well, you got to use a little bit of imagination. That's a hundred percent imagination. <laughs> so that looks good. They're yeah, good. I agree. I mean, it looks delicious. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks the like bottom's oatmeal, before, but yeah, the bottom's like oatmeal and graham crackers, I think, mm-hmm. and then it's caramel, basically caramel chocolate and white chocolate. It's pretty good. Candy bar cookie pizza. Now that looks a little more like a slice of pizza, Jeremy. That that's looks... not very Christmassy. No. <laughs> no. Oh, come on. If those were red and green M&Ms, you'd be like, yeah, that's Christmassy. Perhaps. I want to see the red and green one. Yeah. <laughs> Pretend you're colorblind. And that's all the fun <laughs> you can see. It all looks the same. Very good. Uh, I've learned something new today, and I'm yeah, going to um, kind of look into that. Right. What the spot's about? We're, making we're you better on, people. We're on to the big wigs, though. Now, boys, no more fun and games. Numero unos. Um, no fun and games. My number one has a long history in my family, and it's it's quite the acquired taste. Um, but Caring. as we've gotten older, both my brothers and I request that my mom makes this dish every Christmas, and we're the only three guys that will eat it anymore. But it is oyster stew. It's a hearty, hearty, brothy bowl with oysters and very acquired. 
Michelle hates it. We tried and Doc loves it. Yep. Loves it. Joe? Yeah. yeah. Oh man. We could have been talking about that when I, when I hung out. <laughs> um, but just a, it's it's the only time any year my mom would ever make it was like Christmas Eve. Yeah. And make a big old pot of it. Super fattening too. It's like mainly the you know the butter, the base is like butter and cream. Um, which you can't really go wrong with, and then some other like, seasonings. You got your oysters. Um, needs lots of crackers because otherwise it's just kind of too watery. Um, so oyster crackers, oyster correct. Yes, yep. um, best way to do it. But I'll also use saltines crushed up too. If I got nothing else. Um, yeah, and now you love, can't. yeah, you love oysters too. Have you ever tried oyster casserole? Can't say as I have. Disgusting. You need to put that on your next list to try, my friend. I think you'd love it. Yeah. I'm going to look like, this up. I don't see a side profile photo, which is what it really like, uh, you know, win me over. This is just seeing the top right now. Yeah, this lady's not putting a lot of good effort into that. Um, she seems really arrogant. <laughs> yeah. I don't get the <laughs> recipe thing where it's like, tell me your life story about this. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. Looks like yeah, you imagine. I, mean, I like it. I like this hearty. I mean, yeah, I think it would yeah. uh, be a little easier for you just to enjoy on a meal. Like you could just have it as a nice side with the prime rib. Side, yes, you're correct. Yeah. Whereas, like a uh, oyster stew, I imagine then you got to get a bowl and you have to make a whole event out of it. Uh, yeah, but it's still really good. It's oh, good I one time, but it's deny. not. It's like something too where. My mom's like sent extra back home with me. And it's like after Christmas, the time has passed. The moment's gone. I it, yeah. again it'll like this Tupperware container goes Dolbs. top no, it goes top <laughs> of the fridge. And then like three weeks later, I'm like, ah, oh, this is gross. I better throw this <laughs> out with the old eggnog. Huh? Down, yeah. Like I never got back got back around to touching it again. So that's the why I could have been eaten like a king. As far, <laughs> yeah. As far as pure um, effect would be, unfortunately. Yeah, you're Red Rocket. Um, <laughs> pure holiday foods and What's beverages. more Christmas than that, huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, that's my number one. <laughs> Doling family oyster stew. Well, sounds delicious. You have to give that oyster casserole a try. Let me know if you like it. Uh, my number one, still going sweets. Sweets, uh, Christmas, the holiday season, sweets for me, apparently. Uh, these are, I only eat it again around Christmas time. So very seasonal for me, uh, probably good, uh, for my pancreas. Um, and it is Oreo truffles, man. I cannot eat enough Oreo truffles. It is such a rich, delicious food and they're perfect. Like one, two biter. Uh, you just keep them nice and cold in the fridge. You pop that door open to grab your nog for the night and you're like, mm, might as well hit a, a truffle nog. up. Yeah, might as well hit a triple up with that. And it's like uh, Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, man. You have one of those, I'd kill somebody for that thing. So just hits me. <laughs> feel content afterwards. Eh, nothing hits the spot better than an Oreo truffle. Mm-hmm. All right. Very <laughs> chocolatey. Very Oreo. See, I don't like a chocolate truffle. I just like the Oreo truffles. There's something about like the Oreo and cream cheese mix with the white chocolate where it's like. That's just a nice, calm flavor. It's not overpowering. Yeah, you know, since I feel like you've had a whole (laughs) dessert when you've had one. 
since our pod last week, I've been even more mindful of like looking at fitness things and, and food, you know, um, <laughs> options. And them I saw one, I, ironically, that says like, it was like Oreo filling is one of the worst things that you can be ingesting because it's just, all it is is high fructose corn syrup and seed oil like together. So yeah, Live a little doling. Whatever, bring up, yeah, you just, you, you consume all that estrogenergic stuff and, and I don't uh, touch that noise. You I just do. told me to live a little. Throw it in my body. Yep. I'll tell you, you, you go ahead, eat all the double stuff you want, mega stuff. Just going to kill <laughs> you, bro. Yikes. That's the way I want to go. It's turned dangerous. But you don't go. It's not as romantic as you're making a case. It's not like you're going to die while you're eating these delicious Oreos. What if I choke on it? That's <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> not the seed oils that got you. No. <laughs> all right, Jeremy. Look at all these fun things you could do. <clears throat> it's time for Gary to take us away. Number one by Gary. Um, I got another cut of meat. Uh, mine Ooh. is some roast beast. Some beef oh, tenderloin. Roast. So, yes. um, it's, uh, yes. on the, on the Daniel side, it's a little family tradition. You get a little, uh, beef tenderloin trimmed and tied. Um, old, uh, old Miss Joanna Gaines has got, uh, a wonderful recipe for this mm. in her cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> um, no horsey sauce. However, mm. It comes with it's like a, it's like a sour cream pickled uh, jalapeno. Ooh, no. look, no, go up top. Pickled, like pickled jalapeno sour cream, horseradish sour cream. There it is. All right, on top, number one hit. Thanks. Google. And they do they do jalapenos in there too. Ooh, yeah, I saw that was on that was a little bit down the the Google page right there. I'm telling you, if you if you guys uh, need a gift for your wives and they like cooking. That cookbook, we got it for our wedding. I think we've made in the first cookbook, I think we've made everything in there, and it is just wonderful. Uh, I'm telling you, I can't bring She's, myself to buy a cookbook anymore just dude, with the internet. Everything's like, so available on the internet, yeah. like it's right here. Oh, <laughs> I got it, Jeremy. Book. Jeremy just read pulled it. Book. <laughs> this isn't oh. the same, it's probably get... identical. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's not as magical. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, classic I can't is breaking out the book and close my eyes and just point towards something, I guess. But uh, let me type in the search bar, not let Ooh. me flip through fine oh, pages. Now there's directions right there. Um, seems to be legit to me. I'm telling you, that thing is good, really good. I mean, it looks, um, looks really good. Yeah. yeah, it does look yeah. very good. So, like but the, that's a, that's a beef tenderloin. Yeah, not a, not a roast beef. No. Yeah. Roast beast. Roast beast. Uh like the Grinch that stole from Christmas. the Grinch. Yeah. Perfect. I'm his reflexes, Jeremy. Nothing goes over his head. That's not roast beef. Well, I, I <laughs> thought that's what I heard. I need better headphones. Beast. 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 Roast beast. Yeah, that's my number one. Yeah. Horseradish sour cream. That looks good. Mm. Yeah, looks legit. See cooks notes, huh? Hmm. Well, well, very good. Um, any take backs? Any regrets on these lists after uh, hearing each other? 
No regrets. No, 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 I enjoyed it. Uh, the sparkling grape juice seemed to get a little hate, but I'm okay with that. I, I know it's childish, and I love it. You know, I, I you know do I... want to say that, like, fudge, my mom used to make a killer fudge, but she hasn't in the last couple of years. If she had been, I bet that would have been on the list, because her fudge was killer. It's yeah. just out of sight, out of mind for me now. There's, like, a couple that could have swapped in at any time based on how I'm feeling. Like, chocolate-covered pretzels, to me, are something mm-hmm. that definitely are seasonal. Um, and especially when they make the, the, the pretzels that are in the shape of the evergreen tree, you know? Mm-hmm. That one goes over very well. I, I'm a pretzel rod guy too. Michelle asked me that. And she's like, Oh, the, the dipped ones? Yep. Especially dipped, dipped yeah. rods, stuff. I'm like, I can do that too. And she's like, Nah, it's too much. The ratio is too heavy on the pretzel, you know? Yeah. Which I could see yeah. that too. I like the pretzel circles with the Rolo and like the pecan pushed in. Oh, now yeah. we're talking. Yep. Yep. That's yep. a pretty solid treat and it's pretty yep. easy to make. Yep, very common the other, around these parts. Yep. The mm. other short list one I was going to put on there for drinks wise was a Moscow Mule. I know it's not really, really necessarily a, a holiday just only, but uh, yeah, that's that's probably one like your winter lager. That's like a have one of them. Yep. And uh, I've had that's all you own. need kind of get yep. your taste, you know? Yeah. It's like a lot of that stuff was, like I said, at Oyster Stew, I, I don't need more than one bowl. I get my yeah. one bowl and it's like, okay. I think I kind of like it, but not totally sure either. And nostalgia's played a huge role. In this yeah, I was thing, just so. gonna say it'd, it'd be interesting, like if we could separate the nostalgia side of it from yeah. what's actually good. You know, yeah, more contemporary, for me, that's like pickled beets for sure. I'll eat pickled beets at Christmas, but no other time will I like pickled beets. Hearing <laughs> usually is on there for me too. Pickled. Oh pickle. yeah, that's a year rounder for me. Uh, really? Oh, I, oh, I, I always keep in the fridge. I, do you put it on a cracker or you just eat it straight? Straight out. Straight out. Same same here. My so grandpa a, was a big Ritz cracker guy, uh, um, yeah. but I eat it straight up. So I had a patient that was like, oh, you like pickled herring? And I was like, yeah, I love it. She's like, have you ever had creamed herring? And I was like, no. Creamy wine sauce? Yeah. So she brings it in and it's like the pickled herring, but they drain the juice out and just put sour cream in there. Ooh. That was a little harder to sit down and just eat. But if you were a cracker guy, <laughs> but, I did. but I, I did, but I did, 100%. I didn't have lunch that day, so I ate a whole thing of uh, oh. fish. But if you were a cracker guy, like that on a Ritz, I bet would have been pretty solid. Yeah, Ooh, my guy grew up with a cracker, guy. like whether it was oysters, like smoked oysters and and that. Um, I don't, I've never done pickled herring. Oh, it's good. Like, just never tried it, huh? No, yeah. I, I should try it. Man, Olson's Olson's pickled herring. I don't know if you can do better. You got Costco membership? They sell that sucker in like a five gallon thing. Just a Costco on Monday. Mm-hmm. Didn't I didn't see it? I'll have to look oh, again. I don't yeah. think I've ever had Olson's. It's over by like the meats, like the cured meats, typically in Costco. Um, so I like to yeah. go over there and get the old like prosciutto wrapped cheese sticks. Is a nice little work those snack. are good. Ooh, those are good. Yeah, throw those how in about, the work fridge. How about um? Call sardines in a can. Does he eat those? Mm, not as much. Yeah, like kipper snacks type thing. Mm-hmm. My dad was big into those, which probably turned me off of it. Yeah. But smoked, Pickle- smoked oysters for sure. Delicious. You know what's still pretty legit? Now we're shifting like gas station stuff. But like, <laughs> you talk pickled stuff, like a good pickled sausage, like the Tijuana Mama. That was, <laughs> that's legit, man. Pickled for foods. Her. Pickled foods are real you go good. To the- if you go to the web in Taunton, you can get a pickled egg. Yeah, I've had pickled eggs. I've had them down <laughs> at Garvin. Um, down, down the Garvin. Oh, yeah. Pickled chewing, eggs are good. 
<laughs> yeah, they're a little dry, but I do love a pickled egg. We, we Meats by off. John and Wade have them. I pick those up all the time. That, the first time uh, ESPN game day was up in Fargo, we all went and converged up there. And, and that night, went back to uh, our buddy Monty's place. And um, my brother, my friend Derek, and I polished off a whole freaking um, like quart yeah, container of pickled eggs. And um, first. I did the next day. No, Derek <laughs> did. Um, Derek did in the house. And then I was driving halfway back to Marshall and I had to step over and and let it out. It felt a lot better, but yeah, that was not a good choice. Yeah, we <laughs> used to go to Jim Lowerman's when they were downtown here in Fargo, and that was our big thing was pickled eggs. So when the bar would close at 1.30, we would get they would sell you like six pickled eggs and like a handful of pretzels. <laughs> and me and my buddy would each get one and we lived up by campus. So we'd walk whatever half a mile, eat our pickled eggs and pretzels and Yep. Feel, pretty, feel pretty darn good by the time we got home. A little Pickle fresh egg. air, got a little job. Hard-boiled egg, you're healthy. I mean, could be a lot worse things to eat. Yeah, it was good. Like yeah. Oreo filling. Oreo oh. filling. Just, That's yeah, don't do that. Morning, you guys. You heard it. Uh, had about 15 of those this weekend. I want this <sighs> cool Nick Cage picture this weekend. It's nice. <laughs> should say that I is... wanted. Got it <laughs> in our Yankee nice. gift exchange, so... That was nice. That pretty was cool. Yeah. Always gets you, cool stuff in there. Are you, are you going to take his face off? Yeah, it was very applicable to our discussion last week. So Very apropos, right? Yeah. <clears throat> My wife sees me get those things and she just shakes her head. But... That picture oh. is a national treasure? <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> oh, I like what you did there. There's a... <laughs> Oh. It's adding to Casey's constitution. It'll uh, <laughs> it'll go great. I have a, a painting of me in the house. Uh, it'll it'll fit nicely with that. You, so. you do. We're gonna have to see that one sometime. I'll shoot you a pic in the old group yep. chat. Yep. Did you get your? Did you get your? Did you get your gift? Did that come in the mail? It says it was delivered. When? Oh. <laughs> You asked me when. This this time of year, I get so many packages, it's crazy. Back to the topic of food. (laughs) Um, More contemporary treatsies. Um, Nobody said homemade Twix bars. And that's something that also is like on my short list. I've never had a homemade Twix bar. Something you only want to look at. Pretty good. Pretty good bar. Mm. 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 A Mr. Good Bar. And you maybe have had them. You know, chances are you probably had them as part of like a little, uh, you know, variety tray again. Mm, okay. yeah, it says, it deli- says it was delivered Friday. Friday. Jeremy oh, Bundy. okay. I get it. Was it? Uh... Yeah. Horns okay. up. Yep. Yeah. I got that and I was like, who is this from? There was nothing in it. Well, you wouldn't let me do a gift message. I was what? like. I was like, who said this to me? Like, I don't know that I got mine yet. A no, yours, is come, yours, yours will come on Monday, the 19th. Oh, it all makes sense now. Okay. I'm glad I just didn't miss it. Merry yeah. Christmas, my brother. Well, thank you. I'm sorry I didn't send you a message earlier. I was uh, I actually didn't realize it was from you. <laughs> I have so many people sending me gifts. Oh, you're that, a blessed man. Yeah. I mean, 
Well, yeah. And you you want to like be a student with me? You better send me gifts. You want to work for Big Stone? You send me gifts. That's I set that standard early on. Impressive. Um, remember, I'm 55 percent ethical. If you guys remember earlier, uh, based on our conversation, so that's the 45 percent. I would say There's a lot of gray there. You can live in the gray. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> well, that's another successful pod. For sure. I think so. That concludes episode 45 of PT Shop Talk. As always, hit us up at ptshoptalk at gmail.com. Follow us on uh, Facebook at PT Shop Talk. Check us out at YouTube at you guessed it, PT Shop Talk. Like, subscribe. Uh, until next time, I'm Casey With me, as always, is Nick Doling and Jeremy Van Glombenberg. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>